Good morning, Brooklyn, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jonah. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land where you're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Um, before we start today's podcast, uh, just hoping everyone had a great uh, Anzac Day long weekend here in Australia and New Zealand. Obviously, a big weekend um, in Australia and New Zealand society, I guess, in regards to paying um, homage to those veterans. Um, and also a big sporting week um, as well, uh, both here in Australia and across the ditch in New Zealand. Uh, that is where we'll start. So we'll start in football. Uh, it was week 34 of the English Premier League. And Jono, there were some big results and significant results, both at the top and the bottom of the league. Uh, both Liverpool and Manchester City won, meaning City maintained their one-point lead at the top. While Everton dropped into the relegation zone after their loss to Liverpool and Burnley winning over Wolverhampton. So, Jono, a huge month left in the English Premier League. Oh, it's all coming down to this. I mean, we say this every year. It's it's what you do want to see, but it's 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 man. If Everton dropping, Liverpool possibly having that chance. Um, so City kind of slipping up on that grip. That if you would have gone back a couple of months, you would have said City had it wrapped up. So really, it comes down to these last uh, last few weeks here. And 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 as a neutral, that's what hundred percent you want to see. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah, some massive games to come over the next few weeks in, in the English Premier League. Looking at the world of football in Spain, Barcelona were upset at home at 1-0, losing to Raya Vallecona. So that honeymoon period with Xavi is certainly over for Barcelona at the moment, while Real Madrid stayed 15 points clear at the top after their 3-1 win over Osasuna. In Italy, AC Milan stayed top after a last gasp winner against Lazio as they won 2-1, while Inter remained second after beating Roma 3-1. In Germany, Bayern Munich wrapped up their 10th consecutive league title after they beat second place Borussia Dortmund 3-1. While in France, Paris Saint-Germain also wrapped up the league title um, after a draw against Lons was enough for them to claim their 10th league title. Celtic remained six points ahead in Scotland as well after their 2-0 win over Ross County. So some league titles already decided across Europe. In the FA Women's Super League in England, Chelsea defeated Tottenham 3-1. Manchester City defeated Leicester City 4-1, while Arsenal had a good win over Everton 3-0, meaning Chelsea still a top one point ahead of Arsenal, while Manchester United stayed third. It was also the Women's Champions League semi-finals first leg during the week, and Barcelona hammered Wolfsburg 5-1 in front of a record crowd of 91,600. Quite amazing scenes there, Jono. While Leon defeated PSG 3-2 in the other first leg semi-finals. So, Barcelona look like they've already got one foot in the final, while the Leon PSG game should be a tight second leg there. In the Isuzu A-League here in Australia, Melbourne Victory defeated MacArthur 4-1. Central Coast defeated Newcastle 4-2. Adelaide had a good win over Perth 2-0. Wellington defeated Western Sydney 1-0, while Brisbane and Melbourne Victory drew 1-1. So Melbourne City still top, followed by Western United and Melbourne Victory. As I mentioned, the NRL... It was round seven was headlined by the traditional Anzac Day clash between St. George Illawarra and the Sydney Roosters. And the Dragons held on to win 14-12 as the Roosters mounted a second-half comeback uh, to record their first back-to-back victories for the first time this year. While Melbourne racked up a record win over the New Zealand Warriors, 70-10 to on Anzac Day night in Melbourne, while Penrith remained the only undefeated team as they downed the struggling Canberra Raiders, 36 points to six. Penrith remained top followed by Melbourne and Parramatta. Like in the NRL, AFL also celebrated uh, their big traditional Anzac Day clash between Essendon and Collingwood, which headlined round six. Collingwood 
held on to beat Essendon 93 to 82, while the Sydney Swans recorded a great come from behind victory against Hawthorne 109 to 68. Hawthorne kicked the first five goals of the game, but Sydney mounted a huge fourth quarter to win it pretty easily in the end there. While Melbourne also remained the only undefeated team as they beat Richmond 76-54 in the Anzac Day Eve clash at the MCG. Melbourne obviously remained top, followed by a surprise. Uh, team Fremantle, who are having a great start to the year, and Brisbane. Rugby, and it was a Super Rugby Pacific, and a few uh, mixed results here for the Australian teams as the Chiefs defeated the Waratahs 51-27. to The Hurricanes defeated the Queensland Reds 30 points to 17. The Canterbury Crusaders defeated the Melbourne Rebels 42 to 17. Well, the ACT Bromies had a good win over the Highlanders 28 points to 17. Many in the Auckland Blues from New Zealand stay top, followed by the ACT Bromies and the Canterbury Crusaders. Uh, it was a huge boxing uh, bout over the weekend. John Owens Tyson Fury retained his heavyweight world title after a six round stoppage victory over Dillian White in front of more than 94,000 spectators at Wembley Stadium. But, uh, if it is going to be Tyson Fury's last fight, John, a great way to go out. Oh, definitely. What a what a good fight. And again, he's just shown complete dominance in in from for the most part. And also just, you know, he just really um, captivates the audience in the pre's and everything like that. And some really good sportsmanship as well before the before the actual boxing match and then after as well. So um great to see Tyson Fury just kind of continue and um, potentially, as you said, could be the last, but we'll, you never really know with these boxers nowadays as well. Uh, Formula One uh, resumed over the weekend as well. And Max Verstappen won the latest race in Italy um, as a Red Bull teammate Sergio Perez finished second, followed by Lando Norris from McLaren Mercedes. Charles Leclerc still stays top of the Drivers' Championship, followed by Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez in the Formula One. NFL, John, a little bit of NFL news, and it's draft day this week. Um, should be some good youngsters and, and future um, stars of the NFL being drafted in this week. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this draft is, uh, you probably haven't heard too much about it in a sense. And that's probably because there's not as many hot top prospects. So there's a lot of uncertainty as well as who's actually going to be going as the number one pick. Um, a lot of different options and they don't really know what, what direction um, they're going to be going with. And again, when you have drafts that don't have as many top prospects that have been talked about, not necessarily a bad thing. That's when you get those players that kind of sneak under the radar um, and they get picked up for teams. So sometimes it could be could be better for players. They don't go in with those heavy um, expectations, um, but not as much chatter as we've seen in the past drafts. So it's going to be really interesting to see um, what what route they're going to go with with the first pick. Is it going to be traded as well? I think it's going to be really interesting to kind of keep an eye on overall. There's a lot of teams as well that have some uncertainties in their rosters as well. Um, draft day always have some big moves, so it's always a fun day for the NFL because you never really know what's going to happen and you don't know if your team's going to end up drafting someone or if they're going to trade away their pick. So something to keep an eye on. And again, a fun day for the NFL. There are always plenty of intriguing storylines to come out of uh, draft day. Um, as, as I said before, I'm always good to see what that next generation could be and, and who. who. Uh, well, John, um, probably no bigger storyline or, or sporting competition at the moment than the NBA playoffs, which are well and truly underway uh, through the first round. And I guess we're going to have to start with the Brooklyn Nets and Boston Celtics series. The Celtics have sweeping the Nets 4-0, uh, winning in Brooklyn today to, to confirm the series and move into round two while the Nets are gone. 
Firstly, John, before we start dissecting the series a little bit more in a little bit more detail, uh, how big a fail is this for the Brooklyn Nets? And, and obviously, how big a win is this for the Boston Celtics, who probably would have been eyeing that playoff against the Nets as a really tricky first round fixture to come up against? Yeah, I mean, first off, congratulations to the Boston Celtics because that's huge. I don't think anyone predicted for them to, to sweep necessarily. Um, I mean, look, we we said from the start, Brooklyn was going to be that team that came in as a low seed and would have been that team that could really disrupt things. But instead, they did the complete opposite. They're the only team to get swept in this first round. Every other team at least had one has had one win so far. Um, yeah, just it, it. I mean, it's 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 really, really disappointing for the Brooklyn Nets. I know there's been so many problems throughout the year um, with the team, with Kyrie Irving, with James Harden, with now bringing in Ben Simmons, things like that. But it still doesn't excuse this type of failure. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that in, in this NBA season, we've had two catastrophic failures. One, the Lakers, star-studded lineup, failing to even make the playoffs. And now you have Brooklyn, star-studded lineup, failing to get past the first round. So epic failures on both sides um, of those two organizations. And it's just crazy to think that the Brooklyn Nets, for all of what they are, for the players that they have, that they're out of the playoffs and they're out of the playoffs with ease in a sense as well to this really strong Boston Celtics teams that's showing that they're a title contender for sure. I know much of the conversation is going to center around the failure of the Brooklyn Nets, but as you said, kudos to the uh, Boston Celtics for playing such great basketball through these four games. Obviously that their dynamic duo of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown really stood up. And if anything, they probably, those two had a, a slightly quieter game uh, game four, but have really been dominant during the series. And what's really stood out, John, has been the Celtics' defense, especially against the likes of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, they've really suffocated those two and not allowed easy shots, which has really made a difference, uh, obviously, to the Brooklyn Nets' attack um, and also allowing the Boston Celtics to control the scoring, which is where the Brooklyn Nets' um, strength lies. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if you look at this series, um, it's hard to believe, but essentially, you have a player like Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, and neither of them were the best player in this series. You know, hats off to Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, all those players on that Marcus Smart as well, all those players on that Boston Celtics team, they were the better players. And it wasn't just from their offensive production, as you said, but it was also that defensive ability. I mean, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they both essentially struggled. Yes, towards the end, they were able to put up some points and they've had some big games, but realistically, they struggled. The reason why they struggled it's not because it was necessarily an off night for them, but it's because of the defense from the Boston Celtics. And that's what lacked for the Brooklyn Nets as well. Um, and it was just a, a full team approach as well. The Boston Celtics play as a team. They play as a unit. They defend as a unit. Um, so it was, it was just the ability to lock down and then for them to come up with the big shots when needed. I mean, look, all the games were, were pretty tight um, for the most part. Um, and it just came down to who was more clutch. And it showed that the Boston Celtics actually had a lot more finesse than I think a lot of people would have given them credit for prior to the series. So it was both the offensive abilities of the Celtics and defensive abilities to lock down Kevin Durant and Kyrie and the lack of production from the rest of the Brooklyn Nets to basically f- to, to, to make up for um, that de- defense that was smothering Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Do you think the series result? which has occurred and seeing the Brooklyn Nets crash out like this, do you think it has been a build-up, though, of everything that's happened during this year? We've obviously seen 
the disturbance of Kyrie Irving not being playing, especially most of that first half of the year because of him not wanting to get vaccinated. Then you had the James Harden trade to Philadelphia. We saw Ben Simmons come to Brooklyn and he hasn't played a single game. So I guess the three players, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons, who make up a vast majority of Brooklyn Nets payroll, haven't actually played a game together. Then you've got the pressure on the likes of the coach, Steve Nash, who was questioned or the questions were raised to Kevin Durant in regards to if he is the right person to lead them next year, which Kevin Durant believes he is. And he also said that he's had to put up with a lot of different circumstances and tough circumstances in his first couple of years here at Brooklyn. But do you think in regards to this franchise moving forward and possibly becoming a championship team, do you think there's also going to be half the things that can have to change, not just on the court, but also off the court? Yeah, I mean, when I look at this Brooklyn Nets team, they clearly have the talent. And and yes, they have these role players who didn't necessarily who who went non-existent for most of this series, um, for the vast majority of it. But it, it stems to clearly show that what happens off the court can really affect um, on the court as well. And I think that this was a product of it. You know, essentially, as you said, it started with the Kyrie Irving saga of not being able to play his whole everything about the vaccination status. And everything that kind of brings. Then you go into the James Harden saga where he's unhappy. The locker room is clearly not happy. And then you move into, okay, you trade away James Harden, an unhappy um, player who's making the locker room bad. But for him, you're bringing in a player like Ben Simmons. And yes, Ben Simmons is a great player and he's struggling with things on his own. But all the talk that comes with Ben Simmons, whether it's, it's right or wrong, or whatever your opinions are about that, it still comes. He comes with a lot of baggage. He comes with a lot of you know, publicity that's going to be following him. So you just let go of a player who had a lot of baggage kind of going with him, and he just brought someone in. So again, that locker room is a bit unsettled. So for someone like Steve Nash, who is a new coach, great, exceptional player. I'm a huge fan of him as a player. Um, but is he able to manage this as a, as a brand new coach? And, and I think he is struggling to manage that. I don't think it's necessarily a struggle to manage the on-the-court issues. It's it's what's happening behind the scenes because you're dealing with superstars, you're dealing with a lot of different egos, and you're dealing with a, with very different problems as well. You know, Kyrie Irving's problem is very different than James Harden. James Harden's very different from what Ben Simmons. And now you have your superstar of all superstars in Kevin Durant, you know, really being unhappy with how the situation is all unfolding. Um, so it's, it's that locker room dynamic and that's what really needs to change. But quite frankly, I don't know how it's going to change because you, you want to essentially keep Kevin Durant. You want to keep Kyrie, Kyrie Irving as well. And you just signed Ben Simmons. So you're going to have to keep him. So what's going to change, you know, how are you going to change this? It's going to be a mentality change, not going to be able to change the players necessarily. So it's changing that mentality. And that's, that's not going to be an easy job at all for Steve Nash, or if they do bring in and let go of Steve Nash and they bring in someone else, it is not going to be an easy job for whoever is going to be that new person running that team. I think that's a great point that you make there, John, in regards to the egos within that franchise. This team is built to win a championship now. And it's going to be interesting to see how they want to reshape for next year and how they want to go into the new season in regards to trying to challenge again. There's obviously uncertainty about Kyrie Irving a little bit, whether he will be there with the franchise. And he's come out with 
comments after the loss today saying that um, that he's clear that he'll be playing a role in managing the franchise along with owner Joe Tasse and general manager Sean Marks. So there seems to be a bit of a disconnect in regards to who's actually controlling this team. Is, is Steve Nash, does, does Steve Nash have enough power to be able to control and and build a team that actually does play as a collective and can actually challenge and win these pressurized situations, which through this series, they were unable to match the Boston Celtics intensity. So that's going to be also interesting to see how that plays out next year, John, and, and see where this Nets franchise ends up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's just the thing. There's, there's, there's a lack of direction, lack of a singular voice as well. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate what's happened in the NBA in particular, because you see this happen from time to time. And you see this happen with a lot of the LeBron James led teams as well, where is it LeBron leading the team? Is it the coach leading the team? Is it the GM who brought in the players, you know, leading the team? So who is actually leading that? And sometimes, as we saw happen, what, weeks ago with the Lakers, it's not successful. Then it happens with the Brooklyn Nets. It shows that that formula is, is not a successful formula. So something needs to be done. Um, but it's going to be very, very interesting to see what direction the Brooklyn Nets goes with um, because they, they're going to have to stay hold, hold strong. Whatever direction they go, they're going to buckle down. And as you said, they're in a win-now situation. And I don't think that's going to necessarily change the next season. They're going to look at it as, hey, what can we do to make sure we win now? Because they know that Kevin Durant's not going to you know be – another 10, 12 year player, he potentially still will be quite good, you know, into his, um, into later years of his career, but they want to win with him now because they know they have him locked in. So very, very interesting to see what's going to happen for the Brooklyn Nets. Lots of decisions to be made. Yeah. Certainly going to be an intriguing story an intriguing off season for the Brooklyn Nets. But as I said, congratulations uh, to the Boston Celtics as they move into the first team to move into round two. Now, looking at a few of the other ties, John, there's a few other intriguing series being playing out. Your Phoenix Suns are certainly locked in a series with the New Orleans Pelicans. The series is tied 2-2, and obviously no Devin Booker for the Suns. Um, how do you see your boys playing out, and do you think you've got enough to see the New Orleans Pelicans off? Yeah, look, I mean, I think we would have enough to see the Pelicans off if Chris Paul really starts stepping up in terms of scoring. Um, just right now, what we're seeing is a real lack of scoring from him to step up with no Devin Booker. But hats off to the Pelicans because, man, they are playing some great, great basketball. Brennan Ingram is putting up points. He's showing why he can be still a future star. He's still quite young in his career in a sense of you, you think that he's been in the league for so long, but he's still actually quite a young player. Um, he's playing phenomenal. Um, so it's, it's not going to be an easy job without Devin Booker. Clearly, it shows how important Devin Booker is to this team. And I hope that this shows as well for all those individual awards to be won and everything, how valuable he is to this Phoenix Suns team. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I actually I, I'm sitting here and I can't say definitively if they're going to move forward or not. I just don't know. Um, I don't know if we have enough if we don't get the scoring production from Chris Paul as well, because there's a lot of other players who, who are struggling a little bit. DeAndre Ayton is a player who can put up 20, but he's not putting up 30 plus, you know, game in and game out. So we're going to need some production from some other players and it's just not happening right now, but hats off to that Pelican team because they are, they, they are playing great right now. Um, and they're showing why they deserve to be in this, in the playoffs right now as well. 
Yeah, the Lakers could have done with Brandon Ingram, but unfortunately, <laughs> uh, we let him go as well. Um, looking at some of the other series as well, Miami are well placed to beat uh, the Atlanta Hawks. They're up three one. Well, the Philly Torrents, uh, the Philadelphia and Toronto series is now three two after Toronto's win today. So, uh, an intriguing uh, one to go into Game Six there. Milwaukee look like they're going to get through Chicago three one up in their series. Well, the Dallas and Utah is another really intriguing one, John. Dallas obviously getting up again today. So they're leading 3-2 as we go into game six. Well, Golden State and Denver, game five is going to be a big one there after obviously Denver were able to win the last game. 3-1 there to the Golden State at the moment. Um, but obviously a big game to come in that one. Uh, while one of the most exciting, I think, series of, of the whole playoffs so far has been the Memphis and Minnesota Timberwolves won. At the moment, it is tied 2-2. But, Jono, uh, plenty of great basketball to come up and, and possibly a few more upsets uh, before we get into uh, round two of the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you really don't know where that, where it's going to go. And as you said, that Memphis um, versus Timberwolves series, that is, that's, that's a great one. And that's just young stars going at it. Um, so that, say. yeah, you really just see what the future of the league is going to be um, that these young stars are battling out. And there's some household names that, you know, that, are, that are, or some young household names that are soon going to be yeah. um, the future of the, of the NBA. And it's great to see. And that's, that's the series that, yeah, you got, you got everything going for that series. So it's, I hope it goes the whole seven um, because it's great to see that competitiveness throughout all the games possible. Well, another major sporting competition, which has certainly reached the pointy end, is in the UEFA Champions League. So up to the semifinals, Manchester City versus Real Madrid, Wednesday morning, Australian time, before we uh, head to the Liverpool versus Villarreal game, Thursday morning, Jono. Uh, we'll just have a quick look at these games and, and cover a little bit more depth next week once we obviously have seen the first legs. But firstly, that Manchester City-Real Madrid game, Jono, uh, obviously Madrid, had their struggles this year, but they keep coming up most needed, especially uh, through Karim Benzema, who's been on absolute fire for them. While uh, Manchester City, Mark John, they're obviously playing really nice football uh, in the Premier League, obviously had that slip up in the FA Cup semi-final, but um, this is obviously the big one for them and for Pep Guardiola to, to win their inaugural uh, Champions League title. Yeah, and I guess uh, what a team they're going to have to go through as well, Man City, to to get that title. Um, this is, it, it, I don't think it's going to be easy. I think Real Madrid, even though they probably are the weaker team, um, if you look at it on paper, but um, they've just showed that that they can win, that they're serial winners when, it, especially when it comes to Champions League. And if Benzema is firing, I I think they he can provide some chaos there for that back line of Man City, who do occasionally make those mistakes. So. Be really interesting to see Liverpool. You know, if, if Villarreal can do another upset, that'd be phenomenal for them. But I just see them as too strong of a team, um, and they should essentially go go past quite easy in a sense against Villarreal. The, the big the big one that I'm going to be looking at is that Man City Real Madrid game. Yeah, Villarreal been amazing to get to this stage. Obviously, seeing off Juventus, then Bayern Munich, but I think this could be a step too far. And this Liverpool team is just in such. Uh, such form at the moment and Klopp has got them playing such good football they've got so many different options especially going forward that I think they will just have a bit too much with Villarreal but that Real Madrid Manchester City clash could be really tight it's not a vintage Real Madrid team but they've got pedigree in this competition and that does count for something when especially in those high pressure moments they do have enough individual quality to 
to just have that one moment like we saw against Chelsea uh, with Luka Modric's amazing uh, pass to get them into extra time and then obviously Benzema to send them through. So it should be two really intriguing semifinals, hopefully close for the neutral. Um, it'll be interesting to see who gets through or who's well-placed after those first legs. Well, as always, Jono, we'll end the show with five quick questions. You've got me this week. Yep, are you ready? Let's go, mate. All right. Sticking on the football theme, um, what would be a bigger shock? Liverpool winning the Premier League or Everton getting relegated? I think Everton getting relegated because I think Liverpool, they know Manchester City have to slip up. And and even then, Liverpool will have a phenomenal year even if they do finish second. Uh, But I think at the beginning of the year, to think Everton relegated out of the Premier League, I don't think anyone would have thought that. So I think that would be huge. And it would have to, if they do get relegated, it would have to be one of the biggest clubs to get relegated out of the Premier League. Obviously, we've had Newcastle United uh, go down, but just feels like Everton. Imagine, yeah, just wasn't fathomable at the beginning of the year to, to think they would be in this position, but they certainly are and they're fighting for their lives. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think the quality that they realistically have and they're so far down. But we'll just wait and see what uh, what happens in Everton's fate. Next question is, um, what was more impressive? We talked about two titles this weekend. Was it Bayern Munich winning the title or PSG winning the title? I would have to say, even though both have so been so dominant, especially over the last few years, it's probably Bayern Munich's 10th title in a row is, is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, even though they are the dominant force in Germany, they still have had to put up with a, a decent Dortmund t- side at times. And you do have the likes of RB Leipzig and, and Bayer Leverkusen, who are decent sized clubs. But to win 10 in a row anywhere is still a pretty good effort. So um, I have to say Bayern Munich uh, in regards to looking at comparing their title win to, to PSG's. Definitely, definitely. Now, switching over to the NBA, um, as you know, Brooklyn does realistically have a star-studded lineup. Do you see any of those players going over and joining the West Coast and LeBron and the Lakers in the offseason? You never say never. I mean, obviously the one that's in terms of leaving, not sure where he will go is, is Kyrie Irving in regards to the megastars there. I can't see Kevin Durant leaving at this stage. Obviously, Ben Simmons has just arrived. Would Kyrie go to the West Coast and go back to LeBron? Possibly, but who do the Lakers have to offer as well? Yeah. So there's there's a huge yeah. question marks in regards to how would the Lakers fit another superstar into their team with all they got Anthony Davis and LeBron James and not many other pieces to to be able to trade. So if there wasn't going to be a player, I would say Kyrie Irving, but whether or not he would want to go to the LA Lakers and back to the West Coast or to the West Coast uh, would be the question there. Maybe uh, maybe the Lakers will go for the uh, Aussie superstar Patty Mills, not Ben Simmons, but maybe good old Patty Mills might might try and sneak him. Yeah, I um, did feel sorry for Patty Mills. That's that's probably the worst thing that's coming out of that series <laughs> is seeing Patty crash out, unfortunately. Yeah. Next, uh, next question is, um, as you talked about, Tyson Fury had a great performance this weekend. There's a bit of um, chatter there with, of course, the um, Jake and Logan Paul brothers. Um, should he essentially fight them? Is it is it worth this happening, or should he just kind of just ignore all the chatter about that? Um, I mean, it's obviously up to Tyson. He's done everything he needs to do in his boxing career. So I think, obviously, if he wants to do it, he 
he can do it. Um, obviously, it'd be still great to see him fight because he's such a showman and such a character. So I think it's purely up to what he wants. He, he's he got nothing else to prove now. And last question is, um, who would you say then right now is your favourite to win the NBA title? Right now, as we're placed, I would have to say either the Milwaukee Bucks or the Golden State Warriors would yeah. be my two picks at this stage. But obviously a lot can change and, and we'll be interested to see those matchups once we get more. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks uh, would be my picks. Yep, I would agree with that as well. They're, they're placed pretty well right now. Well, that brings to the end of another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, thank you for your support and good night.